0: They called it Black Monday. No shit.
1: What's happening, everyone? Welcome back into the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Uh, I'm joined with Nick here for Black Monday coming at you every Monday, talking fantasy, talking mucky situations. We got a definitely a mucky situation here. We're going to be going through three backfields that we feel like are not getting talked about. Everyone and their mother is talking about the Ravens backfield and the Chiefs backfield. What's going to happen? We're, we're thinking more backfields that you could have some sneaky value from because there is definitely some out there that people are kind of just looking at it and just kind of passing it over. We're going to dig more deep into them and see if they're worth your investment, whether they're, they are or not, we're going to take a stance on them too. So if we think we should, yeah, I'll take a shot on this player in this backfield or whatever. Um, some of these, I, I, I know I have a couple where I'm just like, I'm just avoiding this backfield. I think it's going to be
0: a mess, which is definitely possible. So, um, Nick, how are you doing today? Yeah, good, man. Happy to be here. Happy to talk some uh, running backs specifically, also some offensive lines offenses. I mean, even if these aren't technically the most exciting teams, uh, maybe they're not the teams that everyone's talking about, uh, I'm actually looking forward to a couple of them. I think we'll get to those. So.
1: Yeah, and some of, these, some of these backfields, you'll realize really early in the redraft season, you kind of just go, wow, why were we talking about this so much in the offseason? It didn't matter at all. Like I remember yeah. like when Adrian Peterson's a startable asset every year, which would probably happen again. <laughs> um, uh, I hope not. Yeah, I hope not, too. But if Adrian Peterson's a startable asset at the beginning of last year, and we're like, okay, why did we talk up Darius Geis? or why did we talk up this? And speaking of Darius Geis, the first backfield we're going to get into is the Washington Redskins. And um, we're, we're basically going to go kind of back and forth. I know on this one specifically, we have differing opinions on. So um, I'll, I'll we'll lay out the situation here. Nick, if you want to dig into their offensive line real quick.
0: Uh, yeah, so – As far as uh, with the Redskins, people already know what's going on with the left tackle. They've had Trent Williams on a holdout and then traded him to the Giants, or not to the Giants, the Niners in the draft this year. So their left tackle, they're going to be relying on their third round pick in 2018. His name's Jaron Christian Sr. Uh, He played 146 snaps last year, not because of injury. He just wasn't very good. Uh, So PFF had him at a 63 grade, which, I mean, it's not terrible. You know, there's guys in the 50s, but it's, it's definitely not great. So to have him at left tackle is not awesome. Uh, their left guard is even worse. He's got a fifty-six grade. Um, really, basically, their whole line kind of sucks, except for their right guard, Brandon Scherf. Uh, they took him in the first round a few years ago. He's lived up to the hype. Uh, he's had a, pretty much a 75 or higher rating every year. So, uh, yeah
1: yeah so in terms of their offensive line this this is definitely there's some big veteran free agents out there especially at left tackle like uh jason peters and like uh, i believe they had donald Penn as like a patchwork left tackle last year if i'm not mistaken they they definitely strike me as a team that could do that again while they have like some of their younger guys because i believe they took someone in the draft this year as well with the pick that they traded um to the niners um i could definitely see them picking up like a, a jason peters or someone like that to just kind of makeshift like patch the hole in the offensive line give Dwayne Haskins a chance to grow and develop I i personally don't think that's going to happen I don't I don't think Dwayne Haskins is very good but we'll we'll see what happens uh as far as the running back situation and the coaching situation obviously Jay Gruden was fired um about week four week five this past season and we got Ron Rivera coming in he brings in Scott Turner who is the son of North Turner who is the uh Panthers offensive coordinator and Here's the thing about the Turners, especially Norv, is that they love using workhorse running backs. You saw it with Adrian Peterson in the, his days with the Vikings. You saw it with Christian McCaffrey these past couple of years. And I remember like two years ago, I believe, before Christian McCaffrey was a workhorse back, they had signed C.J. Anderson. And there was people out there, including myself, that were like, okay, well, C.J. Anderson's going to have Jonathan Stewart's role. They're going to use him. It's not just going to be the Christian McCaffrey show. Christian McCaffrey is not can't hold up in that kind of environment. Well, Norv Turner did it anyway, so... Uh, we're hoping for uh, Darius Geis' situation that uh, Scott Turner shares that kind of same mindset. But uh, I know you're higher on Geis than I am, if you want to talk about him a bit. Yeah. I just
0: like, I've liked Geis since he came out. I think like a lot of people, I mean, he came in the year with Saquon and obviously Saquon is untouchable as a prospect, but really I thought Geis coming out was close, like pretty close second. And it's been obviously a bummer since. I mean, he's gotten injured both, year, both years down for the count. Uh, the first year was in the preseason after he reeled off a super nice run. You know, it turns out that, you know, he tore his ACL or whatever. Uh, I guess it's more for me, uh, I still love the talent. We haven't gotten to see much. And, I mean, even though their offense isn't super exciting, the upside of him being that potential bell cow that can come in, catch passes, be the electric talent that's that's good enough for me at the end of the seventh round
1: yeah so as you mentioned Geis has struggled with injuries he's only played in five of 32 games in his career so mm-hmm. far and like you said he missed his entire rookie season because he tore his ACL in the preseason last year I believe he uh, he struggled with um, meniscus tear was I believe what he did uh, about yeah. week three or week four and that kept him out up until pretty much the end of the season where he came back for a couple games. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my thing with Geist, and this is why I'm not too high on him. I liked, I liked the talent coming out of school too. I, I thought he was like just once pegged below, uh, Barkley. I thought he should have been a first round pick, I guess some character concerns, I think was what knocked him down to the second round. Uh, but here's my thing with him. He's never had more than 13 touches in a game. So the fact that he struggled with injury this much, And he's still, it's not like, it's not like carry on Johnson where every time carry on Johnson gets a workhorse role, he gets injured. It's like Geis isn't even getting a workhorse role and he's still getting injured. So to me, the injury concern, and, uh, I forgot to mention this already. He's going at the 709 in terms of ADP, which is like a fairly decent investment. To me, there's, uh, there's other running backs and uh, a lot of receivers, especially around that area that I'm more comfortable with than, uh, Darius Geis, guys like Ronald Jones, Sony Michelle. James White, um, even uh, some of the higher end handcuffs like Madison and Pollard, I'd almost consider over uh, Darius guys. Um, yeah, like I, I, I'm just, I'm very risk averse with running backs, which is why I always preach going running back early because those are usually the ones with less question marks. So mid round running backs to me, is, it's usually guys like this with injury concerns and situational factors.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm on the team of running backs early as well. Uh, I'm also pretty much on the team of just high upside, no matter what. Uh, The bigger thing actually to me that concerns me with Geis' role is the fact that they took Antonio Gibson and that they're planning on using him as a running back. Uh, We know he was a receiver. He didn't have a ton of touches in college, but they took him in the second round. He played wide receiver. He's obviously got like pass catching prowess. So I mean, more than anything, I think I would be concerned that Geist doesn't get any receiving work if he can stay healthy. I mean, of course, if he's injury-prone, he goes down again. There's no way of really predicting that. Uh, I'm just going to hope that he can carve out a role, get that bell cow. And, and also, there, there's been some reports with Haskins that he's lost a lot of weight. And he's they said he's cut down to 4% body fat. You know, this is an off-season report. Uh, but his coach is super stoked on the work that Haskins has been putting in. I know last year was, I mean, it was a wash. The whole Redskins team just sucked. Um, but if, if he can take a step forward and Geis can stay healthy, uh, I, I mean, I'm looking to win. So
1: Yeah, I think the intriguing thing to me about whoever is the main running back in this, and it could, like I said, it could very well be Adrian Peterson trotting out there week one because Geis yeah, got injured in the preseason again. But I think this defense could ha- has a chance to be very good. I think the defensive line is stacked, I think, um had they not traded quentin dunbar ripped to him because he's like probably in prison now but uh uh, i think their their defense is going to be very like very good i think it's going to be a top 10 defense in the league so if they end up being in more close games where the game scripts are neutral because their defense is keeping them in things and haskins is basically only asked to manage the game hand the ball off to his running backs and stuff i think whoever gets the main bulk of the carries could have a valuable role and could be like an rb2 if uh just based on volume alone and um yeah. You mentioned Antonio Gibson. I think he's a neat, uh, we, we got to talk about the rest of the backfield as well. Not just Darius guys. I think Gibson's a, an interesting dart throw in, in redraft leagues, like your last round pick, maybe like drop him after week one, if he doesn't do anything kind of thing. So Adrian Peterson is just a handcuff at this point. I, I think if, if anything happens to guys, Adrian Peterson's going to have value. And then Peyton Barber, Bryce love, these guys are probably only dynasty ads. You probably don't want to be touching them in redraft. I think Bryce love and, especially it also has an injury bug as well. So yeah, the, the backfield to me is, it's pretty much a mess. My, my, I'll get to kind of my like verdict. I, I'm, I'm going to avoid this backfield unless someone gets hurt or gets cut or something like if Barber and Bryce Love get cut and it's just Gibson, Peterson and Darius Geis, maybe I'll, I'll be, have some interest in Gibson and, and Geis. But at the current ADP that Geis is going at and with the uncertainty of the roles that are going to be in the backfield, I, I think I'm just going to avoid this one.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, like I've said earlier, I'm in on Geis. I'm definitely out. Even if Geis goes down and Adrian Peterson steps in, I'm out on Adrian Peterson. I want nothing to do with him as a handcuff. He's dust at this point. Uh, Gibson, though, I, I, I think I've seen, you know, like 14th round, 15th round potentially for him. I'm interested. You know, I, I don't think he's someone I'm necessarily targeting, but I do think there's upside there. And if Geis did go down, I actually think, you know, he's a big dude he could potentially step in other than the fact that his college resume does not say that he can do that. Yeah. That's uh, that would be, concern. yeah, it would just be like an upside swing. So for the most part, I'm not people, targeting these guys, but
1: especially if, if guys were to go down everyone and like everyone would rush to the waiver wire, where's Antonio Gibson, where's Antonio Gibson. Yeah. They took this guy at the, like I think he was the first pick oh. of the third round or something. They're going to, yep. they're going to be like, be really rude awakening. Uh, I had uh, I wrote the, uh, profile for Antonio Gibson in the draft guide, fscdraftguide.com. Make sure you check that out. But this dude doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And he's an—he's a special athlete. He he just doesn't have a role. He didn't have a role at Memphis. So he he's not a refined running back by any means. He's not a refined receiver by any means. So basically, I think he's going to take some time to develop, get him some joker touches, play him on special teams. And then hopefully year two, year three, he becomes either a running back or receiver and learns how to play one of those positions. Because I think he could be very valuable. He's a freak athlete. So.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there.
1: All right, so let's move on to our next backfield here. This one is also pretty messy. Um, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, I'll, go, I'll go over the ADPs quickly before I uh, forget to do that. As uh, James Conner is the first one off the board from this backfield. He's going ADP 507. So he's a pretty decent investment. And Anthony McFarlane is the only one who's being drafted currently in 15-round standard redraft um, leagues. And that's, uh, he's going at the 1407. So he's, like again, like a dart throw type of pick and then Benny Snell Jalen Samuels um Kareth White I believe is also there these guys are they're just backups to me I don't think they have really any value
0: yeah yeah last year I was excited about Jalen Samuels he fell right on his face it was a big bummer so he's out you know he's kind of just proven he's not very good uh McFarlane I wrote I actually did his profile for the draft guide I like him. I I want to say that he's a hashtag good football player, but I don't know that he actually can, you know, like command uh, what we want to see. Like when we think of a Pittsburgh Steelers backfield, at least for me, I think of the workout horse, Mike Tomlin, giving him every, every touch. Uh, McFarland, I don't think is that guy. So.
1: No. And I think, I think with McFarland, we can touch on him first, I guess. Uh, McFarland, I think, Ideally, he's what you wanted Jalen Samuels to be. Um, yeah. he, he carves out a role in the passing game because James Conner isn't like the greatest pass catcher in the world. Um, Anthony, uh, Anthony McFarlane can carve out a role that way and maybe get some, some other touches like jet sweeps and stuff and then some outside zone concepts and whatnot. Uh, in, terms of, in terms of James Conner, I'll dig into him real quick. I have a general rule, rule with fantasy football, and it seems very obvious, but some people still avoid this rule, and it's draft players who are good at football simple on the screen right now you're going to see uh James Connors efficiency metrics and they're not good they're just not uh, he ranked um 39th in and true yards per carry uh, 30th in yards per touch 40th in breakaway runs and even i know what you're thinking he didn't have a good year last year cuz he was banged up he wasn't any better in 2018 either he was just getting a lot of volume so i'm not i'm not in the business of we do this every year uh last year it was Latavius Murray they like every year there's a guy that's not that good that we Pencil in for a lot of uh, like a workhorse role or a lot of volume, and we're like excited about it, but not really. We're only excited about the volume. We're not excited about what they're going to do with the volume. So, to me, I just I like and again like fifth round to me, there's uh, unreal receivers you can get in this range. I'd rather I'd much rather take a shot on receivers in this range, and even some of the running backs. There's guys like David Montgomery going in this range. I think I'd rather take a shot on him, even though I'm not like insanely high on him either. But to me, James Conner, I'm just not. I'm not on board with it. I, I I don't think he's very good. I don't like the situation. I think that uh, you'll probably touch on the offensive line in a second. I think there's some issues there as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I guess just skipped over James Conner just because that's how I do it in my mind. I just, I don't care for him as a player. He's got a great story. He overcame cancer. That's cool and everything, but he is the prototype for just a guy, in my opinion, you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't, catch the ball very well he's kind of slow he doesn't really do anything exciting uh and I think I got in so many Twitter arguments with uh I I forget Kate or something Michelle maybe I got in so many arguments with this girl on James Conner like a a year and a half ago that I just got super burnt out on him so in general I, I just don't believe in what he's doing as you were talking about with the line uh, the line, basically, the biggest problem with their line is that they're all kind of aging. I mean, they've lost some some pieces. Uh, Pouncy, their center, was at one point a strength. Uh, last year, he was rated like one of the worst centers in the league. Uh, uh, Alejandro Villanueva, he's pretty much the only kind of stable part of it. He's a know? free agent
1: after this year, and they're in cap hell too. So e-
0: exactly, yes, and he's getting older. He's been in the league forever. Uh, the right tackle was, you know, he's kind of like the one maybe. But he was undrafted coming into the league, you yeah. know, and uh also so last up year for he contract.
1: Did...
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's up for contract, and uh it's it's just not so but anyways, for this year, I mean, I'm kind of just out, I'm big out on the Steelers. I think McFarlane at the end of the draft, maybe you know, I might take a swing on him depending on what my roster's looking like, and then just drop him before week you know one or after week one when we kind of see if he maybe is getting anything, but yeah, that's kind of where I stand on the Steelers.
1: Yeah, you mentioned their line getting older. I believe Ramon Foster actually retired, if I'm not mistaken, who's one of the starting guards. And the big deal for me was, and I'm sure the the numbers reflect this as well, Mike Munchak is one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. And before last year, he was the reason all the Steelers could take an undrafted guy and make him a starting right tackle because him and Dante Scarnecchia of the Patriots are so good at their job that they can cultivate and develop talent like nobody's business. So Mike Munchak is now with the Denver Broncos, and – He you saw the results. Like the the Steelers offensive line was not nearly as good as we're used to uh seeing with the Steelers line. So yeah, as far as I'm concerned, the the Steelers situation is one I'm also looking to avoid. And like you said, maybe Anthony McFarlane hits and he's kind of like a fun gadget like Austin Eckler and his rookie year type of guy. But uh yeah, as far yeah, I'm I'm not really in on this backfield whatsoever. Yeah. All right. Speaking of the Denver Broncos and Mike Munchak, we are gonna dig into their situation. Uh, Melvin Gordon is the first running back off the board in this situation with uh, ADP of 3.12. Uh, so he's almost a fourth round pick. Phillip Lindsay is a seven twelve, almost an eighth round pick. Royce Freeman is undrafted and I, I, I don't really expect much from him. I think the Gordon signing kind of um, determined what the coaching staff in the front office thinks of Royce Freeman as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I was I liked Royce Freeman coming out at this point. He just has proven that he doesn't play very well. Um, Melvin Gordon, on the other hand, honestly, I did not like him on the Chargers. I wasn't a huge Melvin Gordon fan. Uh, but just kind of looking at the Broncos in general coming into this year, it's really hard for me to not uh, kind of be in on him. As we were just kind of talking about their offensive line coach, uh, their left tackle, Garrett Bowles, he was a first-round pick a few years ago. It's actually funny. We went to junior high school together, me and oh, yeah? this dude yeah which is oh yeah was, he was, was a U, kinda, right didn't he go to utah yeah, yeah yeah he did. yeah yeah, he went to the and it's weird cause in junior high he was like the small kid and now he's like six seven 360 pounds it's it's whatever it's cool but he honestly was terrible up until uh this last year and uh the biggest problem last year though is he ranked second in the nfl in penalties with 17 as His any denver broncos, broncos title, fan will tell you Exactly. Yes, a ton of penalties, but his rating when he was actually playing, blocking, he did play well. Uh, They signed Graham Glasgow from the Lions, which uh, is one of the bigger line signings of this offseason. And the biggest problem I kind of see them facing is they're going to be relying potentially on a rookie center, Lloyd Cushenberry. Uh, If that's what they're looking at, as a center going into a league that we might not get much training camp, uh, centers need to know what they're doing. So. That's kind of concerning. Uh, In general, the supporting cast, they added a lot of rookies that make this exciting. This all is banking on Drew Locke being decent. uh, But, like, Hamler's fast, adds a lot of speed, opens up the field. Judy, I think everybody can agree he's a very talented player. Then they've got Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, uh, potentially Albert O, stretching the middle. Uh, It's exciting. It's very exciting. But, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns.
1: Yeah, to me this 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 ADP almost shocked me because I'm like they're a sexy offense. Everyone like thinks the Broncos are gonna take that next step, and like much like my team, I like I've seen with Tampa Bay that the the players are getting overdrafted. I, I figured the same would be true for the Broncos. That's not the case. Like Melvin Gordon, I am I wasn't like I was like kind of lukewarm on him before I started researching the situation, and I'm like all the way in now. Like I, I think I'm gonna own him a lot. Um, I'll, I'll talk. I'll touch on uh, Gordon's kind of efficiency. Um, Last year, uh, I'll, I'll throw his efficiency numbers on the board right now. Uh, he was not efficient, plain, plain and simple. He was like um, like 51 in uh, true yards per carry, number 40 in yards per touch, 27 in breakaway runs. Like his evaded tackles is 22, which isn't horrible, but he's, it's not Melvin Gordon that we're used to. In 2018, also be, uh, this uh, will be on the screen as well. Uh, he was a top 10 running back on every single category on player profiler. He was great uh, breakaway runs, a lot of uh, evaded tackles, top six in yards per touch. He was excellent. I don't think he's going to be as good as he was in 2018 in his new situation in Denver. But I do think, uh, like Nick said, the offensive line has improved um, as opposed to what he was dealing with with the Chargers last year. And uh, I think Gordon kind of he he's got – he's got his money now and he can kind of relax a little bit. He he's able to not I, I don't mean relaxes and not try. I mean relaxes and like kind of focus. Don't worry about the the business end of things. Just play football um and and have a productive season. I think I think I'm gonna have a lot of shares of him for this reason. I think he's just much, much better than he's being given credit for. Like let's not forget, had Melvin Gordon not held out last year, he would have been like a top six running back off the board.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, Also, I think the holdout kind of will contribute to him almost being hungry and wanting to prove himself more. I mean, he ended up getting less money than he would have got. I don't know how you aren't pissed off. Like, when you sit out a full year, miss the full year worth of money, then when you do sign, it's for less money than you were offered at the beginning of the year before you sat out. It's like, dude, I would be coming back pissed. Yeah. So I mean, uh, with all of the kind of excitement with the Broncos' potential uh, offense, I I think I'm all in on Melvin Gordon. I mean, and even if, if I know this is redraft in Dynasty, I got him in the ninth round, like yeah. two weeks ago. It, it was I I can't I, I don't I don't know. I'm just, I'm in on Melvin. Yeah.
1: And we'll touch on uh, I'll touch on Philip Lindsay real quick. Uh, Philip Lindsay, like I said, he's going right around the seven eight border of I'm not like not a chance, not a chance. I would pick Philip Lindsay there. To me, no. Everyone kind of assumes this. I don't know why, but because Philip Lindsay's a smaller back and Gordon's a bigger back, I've seen people think that Lindsay's going to be the primary receiving back. Like Philip Lindsay's well, not a good receiver. He's not. He ranked third worst in the NFL. He had seven drops on only forty eight targets last year, which is not good at all. He ranked number 82 in fantasy points per opportunity last year, despite ranking top 25 as a runner. So he was a good runner, but he was so inefficient as a pass catcher that it dragged his numbers right down. And another thing to uh, focus on here is Pat Shermer's coming in as the offensive coordinator for the Broncos. And I know he wasn't the greatest coach in New York, but Pat Shermer's an excellent offensive coordinator. If you, if you don't remember in 2017, he turned case Keenum into like, like a borderline elite quarterback. Um, so, coming from uh, Pat, Pat Shermer's history with running backs, eight of eight seasons that he's been a head coach or a coordinator, he's had a 65-plus opportunity share back. So, he uses, like, and 65% doesn't sound like a lot. That's a workhorse. It is. Oh, yeah. like Kareem Hunt, when he was in Kansas City, was getting 60%. So, 65% is a workhorse running back. Um, I think he's going to bring this. He had guys like Steven Jackson, LaShawn McCoy, Peyton Hillis, Dalvin Cook, like, guys like that. So And then, obviously, Saquon la, uh, the past two years. So I think Gordon was brought in for a reason. They signed him for two years, 16 million with 13 and a half guaranteed nearly his entire contract was guaranteed money. This to me, it tells me that they don't believe in Lindsay as like a long-term option because, because Lindsay was undrafted, he's going to need to be paid soon. And, uh, I think they're just kind of writing off Royce Freeman with that signing also. Um, in terms of the goal line carries, I kind of expect them to be split. Like uh, Freeman had 24 last year and, and he had 13 inside the 10 zone five inside the goal line. I think it's going to be kind of a 50, 50 split on the goal line because like I said, Lindsay's is an efficient runner and he, he is efficient on the goal line as well. So that's kind of a little bit of a downside for Gordon as he's not going to just get like the full workhorse goal line role, but I expect him to have a very significant share of the receiving game. Um, and, yeah, like I said, Mike Munchak is the second-year-old line coach. Garrett Bowles should only improve more. And if he doesn't, I mean, it, it didn't affect the Broncos running game um, a lot last year. It was still efficient regardless. And um, Gordon is especially going where he's going. This is the big thing. If he if he starts rising up to, like, a mid-second round pick, I'm going to be out on him. But if he's going at the back of the third round where where guys like Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley and stuff are going, all day. If he's my RB2 or 3, like, easily. I'd I, Like, if I get – two workhorse running backs in the first round, if I get like Josh Jacobs and Austin Eckler or something, and I get Melvin Gordon as my third running back or as my like flex or whatever, like, like I'm laughing at that point. Like I think Gordon's going to get 220 plus carries and he'll probably also catch like, like 40 to 50 passes.
0: Yeah. I think we're on the exact same page there. I mean, obviously price goes into everything and yeah, I think just where Melvin's going right now, people are sleeping. Uh, Mm Philip Lindsay, I've always been out on him. I mean, good for him for doing as well as he has up until this point, being undrafted, being undersized, not being a good pass catcher. Like, he's pretty much the ultimate outlier. Um, but now I think someone coming in, I think it's, a lot of it's been just Royce Freeman's been so bad. That Philip Lindsay has kind of continued to get touches and shine. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I it's almost he, the
1: same situation as Seattle. Is that Rashad Penny's been yeah. so bad that Chris Carson's able to do the same thing? I think totally. Philip Lindsay does worry me a little bit just because he's that that underdog mentality. Maybe he just like gets pissed off with them bringing in a new running back and goes off as from a rushing perspective. But I mean, like I said, I think Philip Lindsay's going to be involved. I don't think he's like going to go away. I think he's going to be have a decent role. I just think Melvin Gordon is going to get the lion's share of the two more important roles, which is the passing game and the goal line carries. So yeah, I, I, that, that's why I'm in on Gordon. It's not, it's not necessarily that I think Lindsay's a bad player. I just don't, I don't think he's going to get any passing work very or, or, and probably half at best of the goal line work. So, um, yeah. anything else on Gordon or should we get out of here? No. Nah,
0: yeah. I think I'm good. I think we're, I uh, think we're on the same page.
1: All right. Sounds good. Uh, make sure you guys are following us, uh, both on Twitter. Um, definitely I I tweeted uh, a lot of this stuff out actually about Melvin Gordon's situation, just a couple, uh, a couple minutes before we started recording this. So, uh, make sure you're following along on Twitter. Make sure you like comment, subscribe, uh, let us know what you think of the episode. Let us know if you want us to dig into other backfields. We have some more planned that we're not going to get into today, but we'll get into at some other date. Um, and, uh, leave us some, some of your uh, feedback too. If, if, if you think we're wrong on players, like we're, we we do not know everything. We are fantasy analysts, but we're not, uh, we're not, we don't know the future. No one does. So, um, with that being said, make sure you guys enjoy your Monday, uh, enjoy your Memorial day. Is that what it is in the U S uh, yeah. 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 It's, it's Victoria day here in Canada. So I don't know what it's called in the U S uh, but yeah, right. feel free to make fun of me for being Canadian in the comments uh, as well. So,
0: uh, without further ado guys, peace out.